All right, let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, 24. This morning we're beginning a new series uh, on marriage and family that we're calling Happily Ever After. And uh, this month we're going to focus on loving our cities and loving our, the city closest to us. And that is the one that's right under our roof. Our, our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, our family. And uh, we're going to look at a familiar parable of Jesus in uh, Matthew 7 that's going to be the, uh, the, the theme scripture and story for this series over the next three weeks. And uh, so let's look at this. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. These are the words of Jesus. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat that house, and it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teachings because he's taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word, your presence that's here today. I pray you anoint me this morning to say exactly what you want me to, what you've laid on my heart today. I pray you'll touch your people today, anoint them to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, no matter really what age you are, at some point in your life, you've probably read a book, seen a play, or watched a movie that started with the words, once upon a time, and ends with the phrase, say it with me, and they all lived happily ever after. And that phrase, happily after, ever after, has really become a part of our American mindset when you think about it. Because our, ex, our expectations as Americans is that if we can marry the right person, if we can get the right job, if we can have good kids, if we can save enough money, if we can get our family just right... That we can live happily ever after like the, the couple in the storybook or the couple on the movie that we watch. But often, and just nod your head with me if this is true, life is stranger than fiction. And it's a little more different than fiction. It's more difficult and it's more real. And we find the reality that marriage is actually hard work. Y'all ain't going to say amen, but you know it's true. And it's a little bit harder to put that money back into savings than you thought it would be. And, and the kids are giving you a few more headaches and, than, than you thought they would. And, and life just doesn't look like it, like it was supposed to when you signed up for marriage and family and you were looking and wanting happily ever after. Happily ever after sometimes feels like that proverbial carrot on a string. You're always trying to catch it and get it, but it's like you never can get to it. Well, in our passage this morning, a familiar story of Jesus, I think it gives us a great baseline for when we consider that we all, no matter where we are in life, we want that happily ever after to be our lives, right? I mean, you want happy lives, joyful lives. That's, that's what you're after in life. That's a part of, of what we want. And the story that Jesus gives us gives us some information, I think, that can help us to understand how do we get that? What, what does that look like? Well... In this parable, Jesus introduces us to two characters. There's two construction workers, two builders. There is the wise builder and the foolish builder. And he says the wise builder was the one who went out and he built his house on a rock. And then there's a foolish builder and he built his house upon the sand. And when you read the story, you notice something. The wise and the foolish builder both experience the exact same things. They both experienced rain. They both experienced storms. And they both experienced floodwaters. They had the exact same things that happened to their homes. But they had two completely different results based on how they built their homes. 
One built on the rock, one built on the sand. And the, the key to this whole story is how Jesus started it. Because at the very beginning, Jesus said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. So Jesus gives us the key to building a home or a house that is on a strong foundation. It happens when we hear his words and we put them into practice. Now this is the ending of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. He ends it with this story. But I think this, this story isn't just for the Sermon on the Mount, but I think it's also for our whole lives. I think all of the Word of God can come down to that. All of the Word of God can come down to this fact that if we put Jesus' words into practice, we don't just hear them, that it's like we're building our lives on a rock and a solid foundation. Anybody say, Amen. Okay? And, and Jesus says, there is a difference between the person who builds on the rock and the one who doesn't. If you build on the rock, your house will stand. If you don't put his words into practice, your house will fall. Now, does this mean that for the person who builds their house on the rock, that everything's perfect? No, because Jesus said, you're going to have the same rain, storm, and high winds, and water, and all of that's going to happen to you. The difference is what you build your house upon. And if I'm not missing something, y'all, Jesus is giving us a guarantee. A guarantee. I guarantee you. If you will build your house on everything I've said in my word, you are building on a foundation that will not fall. And so I think this perfectly applies to our families and our marriages. And, and, and I want us to take a look at this morning to begin to look at that, thinking about it through our family, look at this story through the lens of our families and our marriage. So let's, let's start by asking this question. What does God's Word say about marriage? God's Word has a lot to say about marriage. But I'm going to give you three verses. We're going to start at the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2. Adam is there. He has a job. He's naming the animals. He's taking care of everything. And God notices that, probably because Adam noticed, and he's like, hey, where's my female? He might not even have known that word, but... There's two, and there's two, and there's two, and what about me? And the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Adam couldn't find one like him. I guess maybe he was looking. Can you see him looking all over the place? Where's my woman at? That's what some of you guys have said before. Where's my woman at? When you're shopping at the mall, where's my woman at? My gosh. So Adam says, so the scripture says, So the Lord God caused Adam to fall in a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs. Then he closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He was taken out of the man. He brought her to the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. And Adam had a big old smile on his face, y'all. I mean, he, he, you thought he liked the tiger and the elephant and all that stuff. Man, when the woman came up, come on, guys, y'all should be smiling. I mean, a, a good-looking woman will make you happy, right? So this good-looking woman comes along, and man, Adam's like, wow. And then the Scripture says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, there's some interesting things about all of that. The first thing <laughs> is that do we think God made a mistake and just forgot to make the woman? Absolutely not. It's all in God's plan so that there's a pause in the story for us to say, oh, wait a minute. It is with great purpose that God, along with His plan, made male and female animals and waited to bring along the woman to put a very special exclamation part, a point upon this to say, this is important. Okay, look, we're pausing the story of creation to say, I mean, God, God paused his whole plan to create a woman. That should cause you women to feel pretty good about yourself, you know? So God creates woman, puts her in the story, and then here's the other part that's kind of interesting because Adam and Eve didn't have a mom or dad, right? But the scripture says that's why all of this, man, woman, coming together, is why 
A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. So in the very beginning, God's already giving us a pattern of what it's going to look like for a man and a woman to meet each other, to leave mom and daddy and go get married, right? Now, let's look, let's fast forward to Matthew chapter 19, okay? Now, some people out there will tell you, and you'll hear this floating around, that Jesus didn't say anything about marriage. That Jesus never addressed gay marriage, okay? Not true at all. Because if you turn to Matthew chapter 19, Jesus says, thinking back to Genesis 2, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? Right there it is, okay? And I think Jesus is kind of a common sense kind of guy so that he doesn't have to add all this other stuff to just a flow chart of what. He just says male and female. That's it. If anybody ever questions you about it, just say, hey, Jesus said it. It's in the book. God created male and female. End story. Okay? And he said, for this reason, quoting Genesis, a man will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife. Two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but are one flesh. And then Jesus adds something to it that we actually use a lot of times, us ministers, in a marriage ceremony. And he says, therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. He puts another stamp on it and says, God is the one who's put together Male and female, and when God puts them together, nobody else is to come in and separate that. Okay? So Jesus said something very clear and very plain about marriage between a husband and a wife and what marriage should look like. Amen? It's right there in Matthew 19. Okay? Now I'm going to give you one more verse about marriage. Okay? It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. This is one of my favorite verses to use anytime I do a wedding. I almost always use this verse, the very end of it. And this is Solomon, he's talking about, he's just sharing all types of wisdom that he's learned from, he's learned it the good way, and he's learned it the hard way, and he's had ups and downs. He's made great decisions and awful decisions. And here's what Solomon has to say about it. He says, two are better than one. Amen? Because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Now that can apply to all kinds of relationships, friendships, family relationships, and it also applies to the marriage relationship, especially that last line that is, to me, in my heart, it's one of the most beautiful lines in Scripture. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's why it's so important that when a husband and a wife come together, it's not just them coming together at the altar of the Lord to the marriage bench wherever that might be, that they're coming together with the Lord because there is another guarantee in Scripture that says a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Anybody seen some marriages that were quickly broken? Maybe they were missing the third strand. So those are just a few Scriptures that we have that tell us a little bit about marriage. Now, this morning, as we start this series on Happily Ever After, I want to go in a direction that many of you are going to think, I didn't know he was going to go there this morning. And I want to spend the rest of this message this morning talking to people in this room who are not married. And here's why. Because when you have a series about marriage, and this is one of the things in my heart, is I've been thinking about this for several months. And I even talked to, to a friend of mine here in the church one morning, and I said, who is single? And I said, what do you think about if we did a whole month on marriage? How's that going to make you feel? He said, I think that's great. I think we need to hear about that in the church. But my heart is like, well, where does that land if we talk about marriage for a few weeks with people who aren't married? And as we begin to work over this the, next, the, the last few days, I know where we're going to go next week. But the Lord kind of said, all right, and I was going to preach a lot of stuff this morning but the Lord said, just, just hold on these two things. And here's, I want to talk to two groups of people this morning. I want to talk to people who've never been, never been married before. That's our teenagers and our young adults. And maybe some of you who are in your 30s and 40s and wherever, and you've never been married. I want to talk to you before. And then I want to talk to some of you this morning who are here, and you're single again. Didn't plan on being single again, but you are. 
And I think the Lord has something to say to us this morning. So I want to start by talking to never married folks, okay? All right, never been married, just wave at me, all right? A lot of them over here, never married, all right? All right, just, just raise and say, Lord, see my hand. I want to be married at some point. Now, I want to talk to you a minute about, because I think this is so important. Here's the first thing I want to tell you, okay? Never been married, people. It is better to be single and lonely than to be married and miserable. Write it, tweet it, tattoo it to the to your inside of your forearm. That's good. And that's mine. I just the Lord just I, I didn't steal that from anybody, all right? It's better. <laughs> the preachers are laughing. I, I hear both of you. It's better to be what did I say? Single. <laughs> I just got that formulated early this morning. Single and lonely than married and miserable. Have you ever seen people who are married and miserable? Right, okay? So that, that, that's, that's a true statement. And here's the thing, unmarried people, listen to me. In what we just talked about, Jesus gives you the total diagram of what you need to do in order to put yourself in a position to eventually be married and to have, build a house that will stand the test of time because, again, it was a guarantee. And if we build our lives upon His Word, we can build a strong foundation. And this, this whole thing was about foundations, right? It was about the rock versus the sand, okay? Now, right now in my neighborhood, they're building houses like crazy. So I look out one, one window and I see one house being built. And I look out another window and I see another house being built. And one of the things I've noticed as I've watched these houses go up in my neighborhood is this. Once they start with putting the walls up and the sheetrock and all that, it goes really quick. It's like you come home from work one day and my gosh, there it is. It's like it's, it's dried in and everything. And I mean, it's done. But the front end, it seems like it takes weeks to get the foundation right. And I'll think, when in the world are they going to do and, and And, you know, they're out there and they're, they're, they've got the excavator and they're, they're doing the dirt and getting it just right. And somebody comes in with a county car and they'll walk around and mark something and write down something. Somebody else comes in the next day and does something else and they're trying to get it just right. And then on a Saturday morning, y'all, in my neighborhood at 7 o'clock, not exaggerating. Why on Saturday? Here comes the concrete trucks. I mean, there was like six of them a few months ago. Six concrete trucks coming in at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning. I'm like, what is going on out there? But it takes a while to get that foundation right because if you don't get the foundation right, the rest of the house is going to fall. So they have to not just make sure that they've poured the concrete and got it right. The, the, the work on the soil and all of that has to be just right as to pass inspection in order for that house to stand. And somewhere in, in our subdivision where they're building all these houses, there's somebody with a hard hat who probably walks around with one of these. And they walk around with a plan and they stand out there and they look at it. They don't hold it upside down like I did. But they look at it and they say, okay, here's what needs to happen. Here's the blueprint and the plan of where we're going. And you know, nowadays they put up these houses so quick. I mean, just put them up like putting up together like your five-year-old puts together Legos. I mean, da, 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 da. I mean, it's up. But somewhere, somebody first looked at a plan. And I pulled this plan out this morning, old plan here of the Life Center back there from almost 20 years ago. And the first thing that I looked at, the first thing my eyes went to was concrete slab with 6 by 6 by 10, whatever. 24 by 8 thickened slab. And I'm looking at concrete pads and, and, uh, and steel plans and rods. And, and it's a lot about the foundation. And for all of you who are not married this morning, I want to tell you something, okay? Unmarried. It is imperative if you desire in your life to have a marriage that is solid and stands the test of time that you have a blueprint ahead of time. And this is what I mean by that. At some point in time, if you want this, you need to sit down and you need to make a list between you and God and say, here's what I want out of a spouse. And you need to set the bar high. I thought I'd have some mamas and daddies and grandma and grandpa all over that, y'all. 
And those of you who got kids and grandkids, this is something you need to be telling them. Sit down. We used to tell this to our kids in, in, uh, in youth group all the time. Make a list. Set the bar high. And if, if, if it is not on your blueprint of what you want in a husband, girls, don't accept it. Don't, don't fall for any garbage. Again, it's better to be lonely and single than married and miserable. And there's a lot of women out there today who are married and miserable because they, they had the blueprint, they had the plan, but they, they just fell for the wrong guy. So, or accepted the wrong guy. So you've got to have a plan in place. You need to be specific and ask God, what is it that, that you want according to His Word and make a plan? And, and I know the first thing on the list, guys, is that she's pretty. But there's some beautiful women out there who are evil. Can I say that? And there's some good-looking men out there who are the pure scum of the earth. And they will play you like a fiddle on a Saturday night in a bar in Nashville. You like that, didn't you? That's pretty good. Boom. There we go. But think about it. If you don't have a plan, then all you're going to do is fall for whatever comes along and he or she says the right words and now you're in deeper than you need to be and you're building on a sandy foundation. Set your foundation based on what the Word of God says. Now, let's talk about what the Word of God says, okay? Because let me give you three things real quick, uh, unmarried people. Here's the first thing you got to do is seek God. Seek God. Jesus said in Matthew 6, earlier in this scripture, that Matthew 7 comes along earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you seek God first, all the other things, you know what that includes? A wife and a husband that will honor God and live for Jesus with you. Amen. Other things includes those things. Do you think God, all the way back, rewind to the beginning of the message in Genesis chapter 2, created us to have marriage just so we could fall for the wrong person and be miserable for the rest of our lives? No. The answer is no. God created it for us to enjoy life and to enjoy being married, enjoy all the fruits that come along with marriage, but that enjoyment doesn't come if you pick the wrong person. So seek God, seek Him first, put Him first, and there's another guarantee. If you put God first, then before you step into the relationships, God will be first. You'll be talking to God about it, and God will say yes or no. And if you have the type of relationship that you can have with God, you'll hear His voice, and He'll tell you yes or no. Here's the second one. Trust God. Here's the one that, that you get a little bit older, you get a little antsy about getting married, and this is where people step into relationships and don't wait on God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. He will show you exactly, as straight as that part of the rug is right there, God will show you exactly straight where you need to go when you submit all your ways to Him. All your ways means what? All your ways, everything exactly right. Your dating life. There's nothing that you put in a box and you put on the shelf and you say, I'm going to hold that away from God. That's a, that's a sure way for your straight path to become a messed up pack, path and your life to become a train wreck. So trust God. If God says, I know he or she is, I know they're saying all the right things. You like them. They like you. There's parts of this that feels right, but part of this feels wrong and, and you're getting antsy. Trust God. Everybody say, trust God. Unmarried people, tap yourself and say, trust God. Trust God, okay? He'll make your path straight, submit it to Him. Now, here's, here's what will happen if we're not careful. When we don't trust God, we'll get in the plans. And we'll get things messed up. Now, I'm going to ask David and um, Caroline to help me, okay? And I'm, I'm not trying to be funny with them. They're very close friends. Very close friends. So, so, um, so this is fine. I'm not trying to put them together. But if you guys ever want to get married, I'll be glad to marry you and do your counseling and all that stuff. I'm here for you, okay? Now, y'all stand right in front of me and face the congregation, all right? And, um, and here's, what, here's what we're going to do, okay? Which one of y'all wants to be 
the sinner. All right, he just wants to be sinner. I got you. I'll be the sinner. All right, so you know what that means, Caroline. You, you're a loving Jesus kind of girl. You've got your plan. You got your plan. Here you go. It's a big plan, all right? You got your plan, all right? Now, here's, what, here's what's happened. She's got her plan, all right? But, but, I mean, David, he's just turning it on, y'all. He's got it going on. And you know how talented this guy is. He's, he's making not just mixtape, but mixed videos for her. I mean, he's doing all kinds of stuff, all right? And so what's happened is her plan had things on it that she said, okay, I don't want to get into that, but, but David, y'all got to stand a little closer now. David says, you know, he convinces her, ropes her into this thing, and now just throw that plan on the floor. But my plan, it don't even matter anymore. Because now I'm in this situation. Well, I want you to look at this. Here's what the scripture says. Do, do, do you know that the, the word of God does say very clearly that Christian folks are not to marry or be with folks who aren't Christians? Now let's look at it. It's in, it's in 2 Corinthians 6.14. And Paul says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common and what fellowship can light have with darkness? Y'all remember a few weeks ago we were talking about light, light and salt and stay lit and be salty? Okay? Now we're, this is, we're to stay lit among, among non-Christians, but there is a limit. And this scripture doesn't just refer to relationships, it, uh, to, to dating relationships and marriage. It also refer, uh, refers to business. If you're a Christian businessman, I'd be real, real careful about yoking up into a relationship with somebody who's not a believer. Because they may want to do the money side of things different than you would want to do it. So don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Don't be in a relationship with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or fellowship? A lot have in darkness. Now here's, we're going to illustrate this this way. Because here's what happens, okay? Here's David, all right? Now I don't have a yoke. Bring me, bring me the next screen. This is what a yoke really looks like, okay? That's the yoke, okay? You got those two guys together. They're working together. They're putting the same thing so they can do the same thing, all right? But we're, instead of using a yoke this morning, we're going to use rope. Yoke, rope, all right? So we're going to... We're rope them up together this morning, all right? So this, I, I, won't, I decided to do it around their bodies, not their neck. That'd probably be a little <laughs> dangerous, all right? So what we do, we wrap this around them, okay? Now, she has decided, here's the bad guy, right? Not a believer, all right? She had her standards, she dropped them. We already saw that. She's got, she's got a standard now that she has, she has dropped, and here's what happened. Now, they are yoked together, all right? Now, what happens is when we get them tied up together in marriage, in a relationship, she has got things that was on her list that are important to her. She says we're going to church on Sunday. What does he say, y'all? No, I got a football game at 1 o'clock. All right? I want to do this with my life. I want to, can you pray with me? He says what? Pray? No, I don't pray. And so as their life goes on, they've yoked up together. And here's what's happening. Caroline, just hold that for me right there, all right? So if Caroline says, I want to go to church this way, and he doesn't, he wants to go that way, right? So what happened? Come to church, and you stay home. Do it. Come to church. You stay home. Come to church. You stay home. See, and what's happening is because they're in the same thing, <laughs> he's, things are getting tighter. And he, here's the thing. They can't go in the same direction. Because they have two totally different perspectives about life, right? She wants to go in this direction, and he wants to go in that, okay? Now, those are not the smartest animals on the planet. They really don't have a, 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 a will and a mind of their own. God made them to put in there, put, it, put, it in, put them in the yoke, and they do their thing, right? Okay? And I'm sure some of you have had a bull or a cow somewhere that was dumb and wouldn't work with, with another one. But, but by and large, you put them together and they work together. And so Jesus uses that illustration. Don't yoke up and get with the same person together because what happens is you can't walk together. Their job is to walk together, walk through and plow the earth and do what they need to do. If you're in a relationship with an unbeliever, you can't walk in the same direction. Because he wants to go that way and she wants to go that way. Does this make sense? I mean, it would look better if I had two bulls in here. That would be great, wouldn't it? Or cows or whatever they are. But, but, but you get the idea. It didn't have to be this way because if she'd have hung on to this. Now, let's, let's, let's pray. Hallelujah. He got saved. 
All right? He got saved. His life has changed. He loves Jesus. Now he's coming up more. And let's say she did that on the front end. Because I don't want you to think, well, we'll just take care of it on the back end. That is not wise. And that is building on a sandy foundation. So come back over here. Let's rewind, rewind, rewind. David was a Christian. And now they want to go to church together. So can they go together? Y'all both go to church at the same time? Yeah. All right? Come on over here. We both want to get some marriage counseling. We know we both need it. They're both on the same page. In the Yeah, we got good marriage counseling, okay? We want to come. We, we got something going on in our lives together. So you come to church together. You guess what that means? You can go to the altar together and pray, right? Because you're yoked together with the same purpose and the same reason, right? Okay? So, so what'd you do? Did you just kiss her? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. So, all right, so we said seek God, we said trust God, so trust God that he's got the right person to put in that yoke with you, right? Here's the next one, delight in God. Psalms 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If your greatest pleasure comes from God, then he will put the right person in your path. If God is the greatest pleasure and the thing that drives you, He will put that person in your path. Remember what Jesus said. Whoever puts these words in practice is like a wise man. And when you, again, it doesn't matter. When you get it right and you get with that person that God has designed for you, is it still going to rain? Is it still going to blow? Is, are, are you still going to have the, the floods and the streams and all that stuff? Is life still going to come at you, Christian folks, Christian marriages? Absolutely yes, but you're yoked together. You have the same person, purpose, and you're going in the right direction together, right? Okay, now, do y'all have that? You got that, right? Okay, you've heard that. I, all of y'all better marry top-notch people, okay? Because I, I just gave you the blueprint for how to do it, all right? Are you going to do it? Gosh, what in the world? I've been preaching about it for 15 minutes. You don't have it by now? You got it, all right? I, I trust you got it. Now, I want to talk to single again people. All right? Single again people. Single again people find themselves in a place where we were just talking to them about building on a godly foundation. I never said that, but that's what we're wanting to do is build a godly foundation. Single people are rebuilding a shaken foundation. You can wind up single for a number of reasons. And I mean single. When I say single right now, I'm talking about on the other side of divorce. Okay? You can find yourself in that place for many reasons. It can be that it was your fault. And you owned it. It was your fault. Marriage couldn't be saved, and now you're on the other side of it, and you, you've owned it. It could be that it's 50-50, partly you, partly them. There's nothing more you could do. Irreconcilable differences, as we say, and it's over. It could be that they walked out on you, and you were trying to save the marriage. And believe me, I've seen couples before. I've seen a person in a relationship before, not the couple together, but one in the relationship who did everything they possibly could do to save their marriage because they did not want a divorce. It was not what they believed in. It's not what they wanted. They did everything they could, but the person still walked out and left. And so they finally had to say, there's no other option. When they leave, and then you go forward with that. Some of you, you've, you've been in situations and you're single now because of somebody else's stupid decisions and infidelity. And so now you find yourself single again. And the list could go on and on and on in all ages and, and places of life. Single again on the other side of divorce. What does the Word of God have to say to you about happily ever after? Well, no matter where you are, and, and I want to say this to you today. No matter where you are, if you're in that place today, I want to tell you something. God loves you. And God loves you and sees you and cares about you just as much as the person who's on the pew beside you or behind you who is happily married. You are just as important to them. You are just as valuable to Him as they are. 
And he loves you just as much. And there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that anybody else could have done to you that can separate you from the love of God. Hallelujah. So I just want to establish that because the old enemy will perch up on your shoulder after you get on the other side of divorce and just wear you out. I've had conversations with people in those places before and they are worn out by the voice of the enemy trying to tell them that God doesn't love them anymore. Can I tell you that God does love you and your life is not over? Here's what I want to say to you. It's just what we just talked about all over again. Because God's word is so good, y'all, that what we apply over here to the unmarried works for the people who find themselves single again. So what's the first thing you do? You seek God. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and everything else will come to you as well. Seek God first. Please, single, again, do not seek the next spouse. Because that happens a lot. And you'll see people on the other side of divorce and they got to have somebody so bad that they will seek somebody else quickly and you'll find them and you'll see them quickly separating themselves from church friends and from family. And they're, they're back in an old lifestyle or hanging with some old friends. And quickly they're back into an old scene. Seek first God. Don't seek another spouse. Don't seek fulfillment from somebody else. Seek God. I'd say to you, if you're on the other side of that, before you get a gigantic green light the size of the moon, don't date anybody. Seek God, get right with God, get everything that you can, fulfillment in Him, and then let Him show you whatever's next. But make a pact with yourself. I will not put myself in the position of another relationship to find myself on the other side of divorce number two or three or four because I did not stop and seek God. Here's the second thing. It's the same thing we told them. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. The path that suddenly looks like it has been obliterated by divorce can be made straight if you submit all your ways to the Lord. Trust in Him. Submit yourself to Him. Trust that He can rebuild what has been broken and shattered in your life. In all your ways. Somebody say, all your ways. In all your ways, submit to Him. And then the third rule, the same one, delight in God. If you're going to rebuild a shaken foundation, your delight needs to be in God. I heard somebody this week teaching we were looking at for our Wednesday night class and they were talking about how how a true sign of a relationship with God is someone who doesn't just call him God or Jesus but says I call him healer I call him friend I call him savior I call him Messiah I, I call him personal connected and, and, and the teacher in that series said for some who've been through divorce they call God their, their, their spouse their husband that they're that person who fills in the gap when, that, when, when the other person walks out. You understand what I'm saying? God can fill in that spot to bring comfort and strength. And if you begin to learn how to delight in Him and not in all the other things. Because if you allow, if you listen to the voice of the world, the world will tell you that you will not be fulfilled and satisfied until you find the next person. And so many times we see divorce number two, three, and so on down the line because, but just simply because somebody's looking for fulfillment and like the old song, looking for love in all the wrong places and it just begins to spiral out of control because they're not finding their delight in the Lord. So important to do that. And here's the last thing. The last thing is to rest in God. And this is new. Rest in God. Rest in the fact that He has all of that under control. That He has your situation well in hand. Now Jesus said this 
And Kevin, if you wouldn't mind coming and beginning to play a little bit. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, 28 through, 20, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're tracking with the message this morning, that applies to what we saw a minute ago with David and Caroline. Because Jesus says, if you're weary and you're burdened, I'll give you rest. But what you've got to do is you've got to get into that yoke and you've got to get tied up with me. You've got to get in a relationship with me. And, and my yoke is easy. I'm not going to pull you and jerk you all over the place. Like that last relationship did and what you're coming out of. Your fault, their fault, whoever's fault. Doesn't matter at this point. It's done. And that's the great thing about Jesus as Savior. Wherever it is we find ourselves, He's still standing there. To accept and love and bring us in and comfort us and care for us. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Get in this thing with me and let's do life together. And let me bring you rest. Weary, burned out, tired, broken. Let me bring you rest, Jesus said. Psalms 34, 18. What a powerful verse of scripture. And as I typed this up last night, this is for somebody. And somebody's here in this place today. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit sometimes life comes along and it just crushes you the unexpected happens to your home and your family and it crushes you but the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit and if you're here this morning you're on the other side of single again and your, your life and what you thought would happen is crushed. Jesus is in the saving business. He's in the healing business. He is in the being near business. Being close to those who are broken hearted. And need that restoration in their lives. Finally, the last verse Jesus said in John chapter 14 to his disciples. For I leave peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Rest, peace, healing, wholeness for your brokenness today. Whatever caused it, wherever you find yourself, Jesus doesn't say, nah, that was your fault. How many of us would be here this morning if Jesus said, well, that was your fault, so you're out of the club? We'd have an empty sanctuary, wouldn't we? Jesus is good. He loves us when it's our fault, when it's not our fault. That's not the way you desire. That's not the way. Nobody in their right mind comes to the altar at marriage and says, ah, this is just, I'm just going to try this out. If it don't work, I'll just move on to somebody. Nobody in their right mind does that. We come with a twinkle in our eye and, a, and our hearts are beating big because we're love and love and we're crazy about that person. And somewhere along the way, life happens. And if we're not yoked up with, with the right person in the right relationship with God, things break apart. But even when that happens, roll back one more verse, Jack, to the one we just read. There he is. close close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit be encouraged today be encouraged today because I'm going to tell you how much God loves you today who are single again I've been thinking and planning about this message for a while now had no plans or intentions to talk about this part and then the Lord just kind of led me to it and it's like okay right at a gate before you talk to the married people talk to the single again and say, there's hope. The Lord loves you. There is life on the other side of divorce. 
And I pray that God will just allow that to just get right in your life today and bring you the encouragement and the hope and the help and the healing that you need. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together today. Two groups of people we've been talking to today. Unmarrieds. Unmarried, never been married. Come on, I want to pray with you. Come on. Unmarried, never been married. I want to pray with you. I'll pray for you. Spread across, shoulder to shoulder. Unmarried, never been married. Whatever age you are, if you still want to get married, you're 75, you've never been married, you're still holding out hope. God can do the impossible. If you got a child, grandma, uh, you got a child or a, a grandchild down here, come here and stand behind them. If you're if you're on youth staff and and, and maybe you don't have anybody down here, but come stand behind somebody here today. I know, mamas and daddies, you want you want them to get this right, don't you? Now, that's easy because everybody here wants to be married again. Wants to be married at some point. Single again. You don't have to come today, but I sure would love to pray with you. And I would love for us as a church to just surround you, embrace you, and let you know that we love you and we care about you. So I'm, I don't want to embarrass anybody at all. God, you know I don't. But it's heavy in my heart today to pray for those. And, and some of you are, are here standing with your kids. But if you're single again, and you just say, I, I just, I want prayer. I need prayer. I want somebody to stand with me today. I want you to come right over here. And I want to pray for you too. And I just pray that God will bring encouragement and strength to you today. Thank you, God, today for your presence. Church family, will you guys come on and stand behind these folks who want to be married one day and who are finding themselves in a place where they're single again? Will you come and, and stand behind them? Come on, church family. Let, let's stand behind and let's lift them up. This is part of helping build a solid foundation. Is it worth 10 more minutes this morning? It is. Your food will wait. It is worth a few more minutes to pray over and with those who need it today. Pastor Kevin, help me pray this morning. That's why you're here. Help me pray with these students this morning. And I want you to help us to pray. What are we praying? We're praying that God will equip and enable Unmarried to build on the solid foundation of Jesus. Just like that. Let's go. Lord, we thank you today. God, for every one of these who stand here this morning today. God, we're so grateful today, Lord, that you have plans in place. And for every one of them, Lord, somewhere along the line, you have a spouse that you have in place for them. And Lord, in the right time, in your timing, and when it's, when it's your moment for them, we pray that you would put them in connection with the right person who will be their spouse for life. We pray it for life. We pray <clears throat> over them, God, that they would have healthy, strong marriages. God, I pray, Lord, that you would help them to build on a strong foundation that is you. That, God, they will commit their way to the Lord, every way to the Lord today. I pray for that, God. And in the right time and the right place, Lord, you would bring the right person along. God, I pray for a divine discernment, God, that they will know who the right person is. And when you're bringing the right person and when it's the wrong person. God, that you would just do that in their lives today. God, we know that you are able to do that. 
And we praise you for that today. In Jesus' name, solid foundations we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we, as we just continue to pray, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to pray with some, some of those who I know are in that single again place. Because I just, I just know the Lord wants us to do that today. And I want you to pray with me right where you're at. Just begin to pray over people who find themselves in that place. God, we just thank you today.